Welcome to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. We share sermons, teachings, and messages from St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Father Andrew, the senior pastor at the church, and I'm glad you're listening today. You're always invited to worship in person on Sunday mornings at 8 and 10 a.m. and on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. You can also visit us online at stbarnabas.us. That's S-T-B-A-R-N-A-B-A-S dot U-S. And now, enjoy the podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I grew up with the quintessential little Italian grandmother, and there was never a dull moment. One of her great dreams was to have her three sons and their families live on the same street that she did. If you ever saw that sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond, that was the goal. Everybody came and went. There were absolutely no boundaries, no doors were locked, and the only times the family were separated was in the confines of their own four walls to go to bed. Everything else was on limits all the time. Since this never quite came to fruition, she settled for the next best thing, Sunday dinners at her duplex. But Sunday dinners didn't begin at 5 or 6 o'clock and last till 7 or 8. Actually, Sunday dinner began after lunch at her house. The whole family was convened around 2 o'clock to begin cooking. And the adults were strewn all over the house as a low hum of conversation would begin and the clank of pots and pans would begin as cooking ensued in the background. The grandkids had their run of the place. We were either on the computer or in the pool or um, making an escape with our great-grandmother's scooter down the back alleyway. It really didn't matter what we did as long as we were all together. An occasional watchful eye would pop out and holler at us before it ducked back in to rejoin the rest of the family. And despite how full her little duplex was, there was always room for just one more to be welcomed in at any point in the course of the afternoon. I realized as I grew up that her desire was not just specific to her alone. I started to see the marks uh, as we grew older with our own mother and certainly in my lovely bride as well. It seems that as we celebrate Mother's Day this day, we're reminded that our mothers bear something um, that bears witness to God himself, this desire to have the family together and to enjoy one another. And while sadly on this day, we can't do that exactly as we would uh, like to do, we find ways um, to reach out and connect with them or offer a prayer in their memory this day um, as we remember uh, the joy that we have, even in the messiness of life, of being together. And that attribute really is highlighted for us in one of the most familiar passages that we have this morning that we just heard from John chapter 14. As a mother's heart echoes God's own and his desire for all to be with him. So let's turn back to that passage for just a moment and explore this a bit further and its implications for our lives. If you look back um, to this image in verses 1 through 4 that reflects God's heart uh, in the words of God incarnate, Jesus Christ, he's sharing about his coming departure. 
um, and the reason for it, which gives great comfort when he leaves this image, that he goes to prepare a place for the disciples, both then and now, in his father's house. It's clear. God's heart is to have the family together, to have them abide together, to delight in the company of one another, as this beautiful image so magnificently captures. But it also gives us a bit more clarity about what this will look like. That phrase in verse 2, my father's house, is only used one other time in the entirety of John's gospel. It's actually found in uh, chapter 2, verse 16, in reference to the temple. And that's significant because in the life of Israel, the temple was seen as a place where heaven and earth meet. And so likewise, as we think about this image of the Father's house, this new heavenly city as it's uh, painted in Revelation, that will be the place once more where heaven and earth meet as God renews all of creation and his house is open to accommodate not just one tribe and nation, but every tribe and nation under the face of the earth, as was prophesied by Joel and as we remember uh, in a couple weeks on Pentecost. But so as to clarify how one arrives at the Father's house, at the end of this image, Jesus kind of leaves this passing statement, and you know the way where I am going. Thankfully, it immediately calls a question from the disciples, which assists us from ages down to our own. As this time, it's Thomas, who says, no, Jesus, no, we're really not sure where you're going. Uh, we have no clue, in fact. Um, how do we know how to get to the Father's house? And that prompts one of the clearest positions about the Christian faith in verse 6, as Jesus says, namely, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The only way to find that abiding place, that Father's house that's open, is through access in Jesus. He's the path to get there. Now think about that with me for a moment. There's no other world religion, no other philosophy or ideology whose leader says, I'm it. They either say, you know, something was revealed to me, um, I had this dream or this vision, or they have a, a, a list of premises that lead to bliss or joy. But only Christianity in God incarnate in Jesus Christ does he say, I'm it. Only in doing the things that I did and believing in me and the things that I said will you find the Father's house. Now, far from being elitist or arrogant, that means that Christianity is actually inclusive of all. Because it's not holding it that it has one truth, um, of which there are many, a shadow of some greater truth out there, some reflection thereof. But with divinity, Christianity has and always says, we know the truth. The truth is revealed in Jesus, and it reinforces God's heart in a very pastoral and loving way to have all gathered to himself. In fact, think about that. I think back to my grandmother, who I shared about when I began. Um, she didn't want to leave anything to chance when it came to Sunday dinners. She went through great pains to explain what to expect, 
who was bringing what, what time you'd arrive, even where you'd park. No, you need to park, remember, down the road a little bit because, you know, aunt so-and-so just had foot surgery and she needs to be closest to the curb to make her way inside. And make sure that um, you guys don't get too far out in the street because I know the kids are still young. And I mean, everything was mapped out. Nothing was left to chance. So similarly, Jesus makes it crystal clear how we get to the Father's house. Nothing is left to chance. It's been prepared, and God doesn't want anyone to miss the way to get there. And that can only come as we follow Jesus. And that's what makes Christianity so unique. But the challenge for the church, since these words have been uttered, is not merely to just proclaim them in generation to generation, but to produce lives that point to such truth. And that's our call as a church. We're not just called to profess the truth, but to practice it. In fact, in this age, as in every age, um, that's the question that Philip asks. Well, just show us the Father. Show us God, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus says, well, you have. You've seen the Father in me. You've seen what I've done. And if you don't believe that, believe the works for themselves that bear witness to it. Likewise, the world sees God when the church is the church, practicing and believing the things that Jesus said and did. When we practice servant leadership, instead of domineering over those in our household or those under us at work, we live out the truth and the life. When we reach out to the least of these on the fringes of society and the world, not merely just giving them clothes for their backs or food for their bellies, but food for their soul and the message of the gospel, we live out the truth and the life. When we turn the other cheek rather than seeking vengeance, especially in times when we are do it, but leave it in God's hands, we live out the truth and the life. When we weep with those who weep, rather than trying to fix it, when we rejoice with those who rejoice, even when we don't feel like it, or maybe it's um, not the best news to us, we live out the truth and the life. When we defend the defenseless from those whose last days draw nigh, as well as those who are just born or to be born, not just in words, but in actions, we live out the truth and the life. When we allow our, mar our lives to be marked as managers of all that God has entrusted to our care, rather than mighty kings and queens over what we control, we live out the truth and the life. And finally, when we live out this honoring of our parents, as we remember on Mother's Day, loving them as Christ loved us, we live out the truth and the life. When we do the things that Jesus said, we allow this poignant verse to be an invitation to those who've yet to embrace it. The good news is that we don't have to do this in our own strength. In fact, the joy of this passage ends with the fact that the Holy Spirit has promised, the one who will enable us to do such things, and even greater things, collectively as the body of Christ, as we live them out in our community and even in the world as a whole. Returning to this nurturing image, we're invited by Jesus to ask for help. We don't have to figure it out. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it, Jesus says. Not for planes and trains and automobiles, but rather to live out the things that Jesus has called us to do. To walk that path faithfully in our days to the Father's house, and through his assistance, call others to it as well. The key is that we cooperate with God's will towards that end. 
and so continue down that path until we reach the Father's house in our final days. I was encouraged and even challenged towards this end in the past couple weeks by a sweet new neighbor that we had move in just kind of catty corner from us. While being new to the neighborhood uh, and self-admittedly shy, uh, he and his daughter came over and offered to volunteer helping with the mountainous job of uh, unkept hedges at my house as I stared them down one afternoon, figuring out what, what, what way I'd tackle them best. A couple days later, I was out checking the mail, and he was helping another neighbor, who he hadn't even met yet, carry things down the road as she was struggling to get them to her driveway. When we finally had a chance to catch up uh, over yard work as we were kind of talking back and forth across the street, it came as no surprise that he was a youth leader at his church. And I was greatly encouraged by his vibrant and contagious approach to living out the life of Jesus that called others to explore the same. It challenged me, and I'd challenge you as well, to consider ways that you can do just that. Namely, to do the things that Jesus did, and to practice the things that Jesus said. Perhaps it begins by reviewing those sort of things. Matthew 5-7 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount is a great place this week to go back, to look at those things, and perhaps to take one and put into practice. Perhaps it's um, reaching out to mom or lifting up a prayer in memory of her today. Perhaps it's leaving a note on a neighbor's door uh, saying you're going to the store on Thursday, perhaps. Here's my phone number. Text me or call me if you need anything and leave a little scripture verse at the bottom, whether it's just John 3.16 or something you know offhand. Perhaps it's refraining from the crossfire of social media right now uh, and the whole world as it lobbies back and forth on its opinions on what we do as we reopen and find ways to build up others, or to leave scripture verses in the wake of those things to point back to who we're called to follow. It's when we find ways to manage our homes and our lives that give God glory rather than ourselves that we put our focus on him. It's in those times that this truly poignant verse of the Christian faith in John chapter 14, verse 6, becomes less of a platitude less of a platform, and more of a practice in humility, putting into words and actions what Jesus did. And so as we bear witness to the way, the truth, and the life, as we bear witness to the life modeled by Jesus, um, it allows others to find it, and it even invites them, in some ways can compel them to find it as well. So today, as we reflect on that, we're reminded on this Mother's Day of God's heart as well, namely, his heart that longs for all to be gathered in his house, where they'll only find belonging and community all the days of their life, which can be found this side of the veil in the household of faith in the church, but will be found as the faithful are gathered forevermore in the presence of God. So may God assist us as we continue faithfully on the path homeward bound to the Father's house. And may we, by God's grace, um, also in living such a way, invite others to that path as well, where a room has been prepared for you and where many rooms remain open to those who would believe in Jesus and walk that path with him during their days. May God grant us grace towards that end so that we may continue faithfully and find that community and belonging at the end of our days in his presence forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week, and we'll see you next time. This episode of the St. Barnabas Anglican Church Podcast is copyright 2020, St. Barnabas Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas, all rights reserved.